in jesus precious name we have prayed amen, amen. good evening once again welcome to acts part five we've been on the book of acts of the apostles and today we're looking at part five hallelujah so i'll read the text we're going to read in acts uh, chapter four from verse one to twenty two and then we will dive in. It's on the screen, so you can follow. We're reading from the New Living Translation this evening. So it says, while Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple, and some of so, so, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message, that's the message of the apostles, believed it. So the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000. Some other um, translations um, says adults, number of adults, so adult male. The next day, the council of the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. And as the high priest was there, along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest, they brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned Today, because we have done a good deed for a crippled man. So backdrop of this story is that these guys had just healed a, a crippled man, like Pastor Asoti taught us the week before the GWDIA. Healed the crippled man that was always at the beautiful gate. His friends would take him there to beg. And it says that this guy, I mean, has been crippled for a while. So they were being questioned, like, by what power did you do this deed? Of course, Peter and John responded, we are, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how we, he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that, the, that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Everybody said the powerful name of Jesus. Amazing. The man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in scripture where it says the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. What should we do with these men? They asked each other. We can't deny that they have performed the miraculous sign 
And everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from speaking or spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. <laughs> you just love Peter and John. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have been heard, we have heard, we have seen and heard. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for 40 years. May the Lord bless the reading and of course the understanding of these words in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You know, um, for, for the first time, trying to prepare for this teaching because of the dynamics <laughs> by which I got involved, I did something called a collaborative study. And interestingly, pastor has always told us collaborative study for years. I can't really remember, uh, apart from when we have live groups, uh, that I did a collaborative study with anyone in, um, in GFH particular, where we go depth in conversation. You know, it's like, it's like a spa in scripture. And it just blew my mind open. So I'm praying that when we leave this place, this is a very uh, wonderful passage of the scripture to go back home with our loved ones, our friends, of course we should have believing friends, and just tussle, I mean, have um, banters and a deep um, conversation concerning this um, chapter of the Bible, and God will, the Holy Spirit will give you revelations that we cannot even talk about here in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so first off, um, verses 1 to 3, we're going to take it um, line by line, precept by precept, and God will help us in Jesus' name. So it says, while Peter and John were speak, speaking, they were confronted by the religious leaders. So that, that got me thinking, why, why would these guys confront these guys for doing, why would the um, religious leaders confront the, the disciples, in this case, um, Peter and John, for doing something that, I mean, arguably a wonderful deed. Imagine someone sitting in front of GFH, uh, I mean, for years, begging for arms, for whatever reason, whatever reason, begging for arms. And then one day, Papi is just driving into church and just takes this guy and says, you know what, in the name of Jesus, you are delivered. And the guy is instantly delivered. The next thing, the local government chairman or people around will come back and say, why have you done this thing? And begin to you know, bring up placards, raise noise. If you can have that picture in your mind, that's exactly what's happening here. These guys had done a good deed that, good deed that could arguably been a reason for them to be given awards or celebrated on TV, but instead they were being persecuted. So why, why did they get such reactions um, from this guy? Obviously, their reactions were political, was more political and religious than anything else. The Sadducees in particular did not believe in the resurrection. The Sadducees did not believe in the res resurrection. And suddenly, Peter and John are talking about something that threatens their, their, their beliefs that they have carried for so long, however erroneous those beliefs um, were at the time. They were, they were hearing Peter and John, you know, let's just keep up that scripture, please. They were hearing just Peter and John saying, not only are they talking about resurrection, they're saying 
the, the dead person came back and he helped us heal someone. So it's double jeopardy. Not only are you against the thing that we believe, that, that thing that we are against, you are saying is what helped you bring someone's dead leg, so to speak, back to life. These guys were ready to defend their religion, you know, and their religious beliefs at the expense of the truth and the life of, um, of Peter and, and John. So who, who were the Sadducees? I just list out five, five things that I think we can, some of us already know these things, but some things to remind you of who the Sadducees are. And then you can look around our community today, look at yourself and ask yourself, in what aspect of my life am I acting like a Sadducee? So the Sadducees believed and laid emphasis on the Torah. That's the five, first five books of the, of the Bible. So they say after, after that, nothing else. So they, they, they rejected the idea of the oral law. The oral law was laws and traditions that were handed down for the Jewish people from generation to generation. The Pharisees believed that. They believed that everything God gave is not just captured in the 613 commandments given to Moses that he gave to his people, but they, they believed that there were other aspects that were important to the well-being or the well-being of their community as Jews that needed to be passed down from generation to generation. And if you read Deuteronomy 22, it sort of supports that because Moses was saying to um, the people of the Jewish people that you, you should teach those laws to your children, Right? You should, I mean, carry it in front of your face and hold it in your arm. So it sort of supports it, but these guys were at variance, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Okay, the Sadducees also rejected the supernatural. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in demons. They didn't believe in um, 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 resurrection. And in, in, in Acts 23, 8, it tells us there that these guys totally rejected everything that your Christian, you and our, our faith is founded upon. Of course, not that our faith is founded upon demons, but we know that they are, I mean, we've been taught, especially in this season, and I hope you're engaging it, that there are divine manifestations in your favor. There are ministering spirits engaging on your behalf. I personally have decided that <laughs> I don't want to lose a thing, so I'm engaging that. I hope you are too. So one thing you want to take away from this place is that from this moment forward, go back home. Begin to engage ministering spirits. I'm not saying, say, ministering spirit, go and get me a cup of water. <laughs> Think about your loved one that is unsaved. Pray. I said, I shared my, my, my own testimony during the video. For, for the first time, it just made sense that, you know what? Papi says, pray in the spirit. Not in your understanding. And I said, okay, since there's no time limit, let's do it did it for a while and my eyes was open to something else and i tried it the next day my eyes were open to something else and i said you know what <laughs> this thing and this is the cronja they call it and I'm, i was being told to go get a book you want to know more get a book we'll tell you more and i've been told different things different things i'll share one secret as well so naturally not naturally by god's grace sometimes after such a powerful season right i will have a dream and in that dream, there will be an exchange. And then the devil will rob me of my essence in this season. How he rob me is private. I don't want to share. But he will rob me. And I'll know that I've been robbed. And I'll realize that it seems like they struggle, they struggle. But last night, they came to try to rob me of that thing. But the Holy Spirit woke me up. Hallelujah. 
Holy Spirit woke me up. I was totally defenseless in it. But again, why? Because before I went to bed, I said, I will engage this thing. Pray in the spirit, not in my understanding. In my, and you know, so something about the human mind is that your mind tries to want to tell you that this is what you are praying for. No. I don't, my mind said, no. Pray in the spirit. No scripture before me. Of course, knowing that the Bible tells us that when they were praying, they were glorifying God and it's the Holy Spirit that gives them utterances. They tried to rob me, but the spirit said no. Why? Ministering spirits battling on your behalf. Hallelujah. Amen. All glory to God. So, these guys didn't believe in all that is supernatural. We believe in the supernatural. Say, I believe in the supernatural. Amen. So, their main focus of these guys was the activities of the temple. The, that's their focus, leading the temple, nothing else. How they generated income and they were doing everything to protect that income. So, I want to assume that this is one of their major grouses with, with, with Jesus. Because Jesus went to the temple and tried to alter what they were doing. I'll give an example. When someone brings a sacrifice in their day to them, they will tell the person, this sacrifice is not worthy. So, they will make the person buy their own sacrifice. And you know, because the guy may have been traveling from Hafa to, to observe the Passover, right? The guy cannot carry two animals. He will leave his own there. When someone else comes, they will not sell his own to somebody else. And guess how the person will pay? They'll say, you cannot accept your money. Give us your money, buy the temple corn, the denarii. So, they were, they were, it was economical for them. Think about it. Is there any aspect of your life where you are more economical than spiritual in your transactions, even in your business? Because your business, as we have learned again, is a spiritual place. Hallelujah. So, you, you kind of wonder, no, I mean, I, I said to myself, no wonder that these guys horridly killed, um, I mean, passed judgment on Jesus, tried Jesus, passed judgment on Jesus before the Passover. Why? Because obviously, Annas, the high priest, and his father, Caiaphas, were Sadducees. They were Sadducees. They were Sadducees. So they wanted to do everything possible to protect their tradition before it was Passover. Okay? So, moving on. Verse 4, right? Verse 4, please, can we put up verse 4 there? Verse 4 says that, but many people that heard their message believed. Okay? So, you see, the result of the Holy Spirit's move, again, a demonstration will be on, on Sunday. The result of the Holy Spirit's move in this case was that 5,000 male adults, right, gave their lives to Christ. And they believed. And when they believed, guess what? The Bible says for even one of them, Luke 15, 7, there is rejoicing. It said there is more rejoicing. Not just rejoicing, more rejoicing in heaven. So you can imagine at 5,000, there must have been a party. Glory to God. I want to congratulate you. Because, yes, yeah, right here, on Sunday, we had 128. Hallelujah. You should be more excited than that because there must have been rejoicing concerning God's great house. God must have been proud of you. And you. Why? Because you're the ones that made it happen. You went out there, invited people, they came, you set up a date with Jesus, and their lives were transformed. Hallelujah. So, there was a rejoicing in heaven. There was a party in heaven. There was a party in heaven. For one, there's a party. For 5,000, there was a mega party. For 128, of course, there was a mega party. Hallelujah. Amen. So I'm going to just go real quickly. I pray that the Holy Spirit will amplify. We'll take out some parts where we'll dwell a little bit and we'll round up, okay? So, in verse 7 and 8, it tells us that 
They brought the two disciples and demanded, by what power, in whose name have you done this? And of course, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. See, there's a speaking and there's a speaking. There's a time when we speak and we get a clap. There's a time when we speak and we get a nod. There's a time when we speak and we even, I mean, people will affirm you. Maybe some ayahs, you know. But the, the, the question there is, right, is what is the fear behind or beneath that, that speech? People may be entertained about your speech, but what is the fear beneath that speech? How do your words go forth and shape up is the question. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4, please can you put up that scripture for us right there? It says that I didn't speak my message with persuasive intellectual arguments. I spoke my message with a show of spiritual power. A show of spiritual power. You want a demonstration on Sunday? What does he, what, I want to assume 128 souls. These guys, many of them have heard Jesus is Lord before. Many of them have heard limitless before. But what goes into a man's spirit at a time where the man says, you know what, no, 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 no. Something has to change. Of course, you can answer that question if you're sitting here and you're a believer. What went into my spirit that told me that, you know what, ah, man, something has to change. Something has to change. This life that you're living, Richard, it has to change. That's what the spiritual power is about. So, and this doesn't come from a place of just being an orator having the right words to speak. You know, you can come and speak some words. It comes from a place of intimacy with the Holy Spirit. That comes from a place of intimacy. In fact, verse 13 tells us that the religious leaders, they, are, they alluded to that. They said they knew that these guys had been with Jesus. This guy is not about the school. Guess what? Can I share a secret with you? Don't tell anybody. Your papi is a theology dropout. <laughs> That's it. You want to clap, you can clap to God. He, did, he said, I went to Bible school, I dropped out. But today you speak, someone miles away will say, you know what? Give me that Jesus. Give me that Jesus. And, and guess what? To the glory of God. That is your story as well. You speak, someone will say, ah, this thing hits differently. This thing hits differently. I was privileged to do um, a training for some guys, some um, mid-level managers recently, you know, for, for an organization. And after the, 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 the training, a good number of them walked up to me and wanted my number, but I couldn't give my number. It pained me, really. Why? Because it was an organization that employed my service. But then I was thinking, because the way the training went... I realized that I was talking more about value. What I was supposed to train them on was more of customer service and personal effectiveness. But I was talking more of value. And I'm saying to myself, ah, I wish I could just tell these guys that it is Jesus, you know. And <laughs> they're not going to blow my cover, you know. <laughs> you know, but I, I struggled. I, so I did the right thing. I mean, of course, that's another lesson. When you struggle, do the right thing. I told them to contact the, uh, the uh, facilitator in that case. And they will tell them how to... To, to reach me. If any of them does reach me, I'm going to say to them, see all that now saying to you is Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. So, again, when I think about speaking, right, I'm, I'm trying to go as fast as I can because of the time we're giving, right? Think about Herod. The Bible tells us, right, 
in this same Acts of the Apostle, well, chapter 12, when Herod spoke, these guys, they applauded. They say it's the voice of a God. So, when you think about Herod, Herod was what? He was royalty. So, he had influence. He was someone of, of importance. And they say the way he was dressed, you know, so he must have carried some kind of charisma as well. But all that did not matter. Why? Because it was just superficial. May your words never be superficial in Jesus' name. So while they were hearing, they were nodding, they were entertained, they were even shouting, it's the voice of a God. What was God heaven? What was heaven hearing when heaven was hearing Herod's, um, um, Herod's voice? So much so that heaven said, this guy will not get away with this. Disease immediately, instantly. And he says, Herod died. I'm praying in the name of Jesus. That from this moment forth, every time you speak, you speak with spiritual power in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So I want us to make up our mind as we leave this place. That from this day forward, our focus will be on seeing Jesus glorified. Why did I say that? These guys had been in jail all night. They were persecuted because of something that they knew. And they knew without a doubt that they had power. Let's say they didn't even know they had power before. But for the first time, Peter is holding someone's leg and says, rise up. And the person, he, the legs, you know, they came back. 40 years, this guy had been crippled. Let me remind you of something. Back in the day, Peter had told Jesus, since Baba is here, Baba, can we call down lightly and thunder to kill some people? Jesus did not allow that. So up until this time, Peter had been sort of restrained. Then all of a sudden, Peter is saying that the power is here. No Jesus standing right there to say, Peter, don't do it. Then, Annas, that killed my master. If you watch Chinese people, he killed my master. He's now telling me that by whose name? Ha! Peter could have said, your mouth be dumb there. And that guy won't speak again. Because after all, Paul even actually said, how would you say they should slap me, you whitewashed wall? Paul knew what he was doing, no? Then that's how I see the IPs are talking to, because Paul is too knowledgeable to not know. That's another theology. Paul, I said, oh, sorry, sorry, I did not know. <laughs> First of all, it had gone out of his mouth. And words are powerful. He had called the guy whitewashed there. If you go and do your translation, find out what that means. He had finished the guy. So, Peter could have actually just said, eh, now now when I release us, I'll be. How many of you now? Oh, yeah? You know, but Peter's focus. Now, you're making, your laugh is making me laugh. <laughs> Peter's focus did not go away from the assignments. Peter's focus, this is an opportunity. Oh, yeah, the, an opportunity, opportunity. Let's, let's go, let's, let's do it. Peter's focus was still on seeing God glorified. That's Peter's focus, on seeing God glorified. Hallelujah. And that should be your focus all the time. Because when your focus is on seeing God's glorified. Guess what? Your speech connects to your mind. And your mind, ha- your mind is the mind of Christ. You don't know what it says to us, right? First Corinthians 2. We have the mind of Christ. So, it's really a choice thing. You can either be right or you can be light. You can either be right or you can be light. In your relationship, you can be right or you can be light. In your marriage, you can be right or you can be light. You, in your workplace, you can be right or you can be light. May God continually make us light in Jesus' name.
And another good example of, of, of this, you know, Papi usually say something like this after every, mostly Friday videos, but guess what, he began to say it on Thursday. I'm beginning to take notice of this thing. That let your words be few. Let your words be few. Now you say, okay, Thursday, my words were few. Friday, my words were few. Saturday, my words were few. Sunday, my words were few. Sunday evening, <laughs> No, 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 no. It's not a once and for all thing. It's a sustaining thing. Why did he say, the question is you ask us, why did you say let your words be few already? Because you're already carrying power. Because you're carrying power, your words have, be few, have to be few. Why? Because in the multitude of words, Proverbs tells us that there is what? Sin. Sin is locking. Sin is locking in the, in the multitude of words. So, my personal experience with that, let your words be few, that is when temptation arises more than ever before, especially with people. People will know, know that even we used to poke you before, will, will come and poke you to see if the words will be, will be plenty. You know? And like John Maxwell says, at that point in time, you can either curse the darkness or you can turn on the light. Causing darkness would be to address all the issues going on around it, or you just turn light. In this case, Peter and John had the opportunity, rather than cause the darkness, which was what the um, 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 religious leaders were doing, they turned on the light. They took it back to Jesus, the cornerstone, the one that you rejected, is the one that has caused this to happen. And every time that the Pharisees try to get them to shut up, they will remind them, is it you or is it Jesus? Is it you or is it Jesus? Every time you have an opportunity where the enemy tries to cause you to turn on the darkness, may your final be, it is all about Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, so let's skip quickly to verse 5, verse 12, verse 12, verse 12. And verse 12 says, it said to them that there is salvation in no other name, in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So, when I read that at the first, right, you see salvation, you see saved. The pastor has taught us about sozo, so I'm not going to go into that. That is huge and we can't even go into that right now. But the salvation there, Soteria and Sozo, are different. The salvation there is from a place of self-preservation, defense. That's what that salvation, the first one. Can we please leave that scripture up? Say amen, please. That scripture, leave it up, okay? There's salvation in no one else. So self-preservation really is defined as the instinct to act in your own interest, to protect yourself and ensure survival. That is um, um, dictionary.com's definition, excuse me. Instinct to act in your own interest, to protect yourself and ensure survival. So, it, it is also said it's, it's a natural, instinctive tendency of most humans and animals, if not every human and animal, to, to preserve themselves in, in, different, in different situations. Some people now change that self-preservation to other names like what? Survival. I'm just trying to survive. Some say it's safety. I'm just trying to play it safe, right? Some, some, some people ch change it to defense. I was only defending myself in that situation. And protection and care and on and on and on. So it is arguably one of the reasons why most people do what they do. For example, ask yourself, I don't know. Why do you walk? 
Why are you in church? I can be vulnerable to tell you my own. Why am I in church, village people? Yes. I didn't come. To, some people come to church. You that is laughing at me, perhaps you're on. You came for prosperity. Ooh. Right? So, some people come to church for different reasons. But if you check, check rather, not if you check, that your main reason is not just self-preservation. Ask, why did you get out of the marriage? Self-preservation. Quoted in different names. What's my own self-preservation story? Doing well, quote-unquote, in my own thinking, right? Until tragedy struck. Someone very close to me passed on. They say, you are next. (laughs) I said, me next. Where do I run? (laughs) Where do I run? Guess what? This is not you next that you say, I will get, I could hire Mopo in front of me with guns, Mopo behind me, siren, blaring like they used to harassing us. But that is not the kind of next. Because it could be that it's that Mopo that will shoot me. Yes, because in the situation I'm talking about is, is, is security that took out where I put my hope. And I ran to Jesus because I know that my hope is built on nothing else than Jesus' blood and righteousness. So, I'm not just saying it to, I mean, if you feel indicted, that's not the essence. Just the essence is to, to do a layer. Why, 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 why am I here? Why am I here? Why do you walk? Why do you eat? Why don't you fast the three weeks when we say we should fast? If I fast, I will die. I don't want to lose my body. I don't want to, I mean, those things are self-preservation uh, as their excuses. You know, some, some people, because of self-preservation, begin to tell lies. Pastor's story, vulnerable story as well. I didn't want to fast. I said I had ulcer. What was happening there? Self-preservation, right? And then God said, you want to taste ulcer? Have some. Oh, no, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. Okay, I'll heal you. Behave yourself. Yes, sir. You know, so what? That's just pretty much how the story goes. But the perception of salvation, right, is what most times rob people of their experiences in Christ. That's where I'm going to. Preservation robs us of our experiences in Christ. Jesus says that we should cast our cares upon him, right? He says we should not worry about what you eat, drink. Flowers don't worry about that. Birds don't worry about that. Then he gives us the formula. Let your desire be on seeking first God's kingdom and his righteousness so that every other thing can be added unto us. So, I took this scripture Paraphrase it like we have been taught, personalized it, and I came up with a formula that I want us to take down on your own, add it to your... How many of us are doing the um, limitless confessions day and night? Come on, be vulnerable. I am. If you are not, you are missing out. That's it. Application. From this moment forward, it is given to you. It's free. Begin to apply it, and God will help you in Jesus' name. So one more thing you can take. That slide, please. So, this is the new formula for Acts 12. Acts 4 verse 12. There is dash. So, for me, self-preservation. 
you can be security, you can be um, safety, you can be care, you can be self-defense, whatever it is. That thing that is causing your relationships not to be lived in its fullness, there's none in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which you and I must be rescued. Save there is to rescue us. I mean, my summary of Sozo, one pastor has taught us, is rescuing us. Save there is to rescue us. Hallelujah. Amen. So we're out of time. I will just um, um, cap it up here. There's still so much, you know, that <laughs> we didn't even touch. But I want to um, implore you to go back into this scripture and engage it for yourself and the Holy Spirit will open up your eye to new truths in the name of Jesus. But I'll, I'll leave you uh, with one, one, one more point. Um, which one now? Uh, I'll just take this. Uh, 13, maybe. Okay, let's just take it to the end. 17 and 18, or 20, 21 and 22, right? And I use that to cap as the fundamentals of our faith. I call it the fundamentals of our faith, okay? So 21 and 22, it says, The council then threatened them further, but they finally allowed them go. They didn't want to know how to punish them without starting a riot, for everyone was praising God. For this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had become lame for more than 40 years. Hallelujah. So when you think about the fundamentals of our faith, right? What did Jesus come to do? Jesus came to keep us, every one of us, right? From the lies that the world sows, I mean, tries to put us in. Religious leaders trying to silence people that were doing God's work. It says to keep them. Put up that scripture, please. To keep them. To stop them from doing what Jesus wanted them to do. So Jesus came in human flesh, right? And lived a life that teaches us that it is possible to live our lives in his fullness. That's one fundamental that you should not forget. Second thing, he died for a just cause. So that you and I will be preserved he died for a just cause, even though he could have preserved himself, so that you and I would preserve the here on earth. Why? So that he could pass the baton to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Then you and I take that baton and we run for others to see that it is possible to live a life of freedom. Hallelujah. Amen. So I want us to bow our heads as we bow our hearts. I've just prayed before Papi comes up now. If you are online, you can bow your head as well. We just want to pray. Do you, do you know that you can be physically free but spiritually bound? The same way you can be spiritually bound and looking like you're physically free. So we want to pray with people today that are searching for Christ. You're in a situation whereby you know Jesus is not the Lord and the master of your life. I want to pray with you. Will you just show by lifting up your hands 
and the ushers will put a card into your hands today. If you're online, the instruction will be scrolling as well. You know that you are spiritually bound. You want Jesus to come into your life and set you free today. Put up your hands. Father, we thank you. We give you praise and glory. We pray, Lord, that we'll continually live free in you all the days of our lives. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. I'm sorry, forgive my manners. <laughs> I've forgotten. <laughs> okay. All right. Good evening, Father. Well done. Good thank evening. You, sir. Good evening, everybody. Okay. So, uh, I forgot to mention, if you, if you do have any questions, please, um, you can send them. If you are online, send um, your questions online. And, um, Papi's here. <laughs> yes, I mean it. <laughs> and I'll just relinquish all to him to answer everything. Hallelujah. You will get better answers. Put it that way. <laughs> okay, and if you're here, you, you want to ask a question. Yes, let's just want to do it in an orderly manner. That's one. Anyone else? Don't be bashful. Don't worry about me. I got backup, right? One. Okay, why you're trying to make two? Okay, anyone else? Okay, so let's have one and two. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, um, my question is, goes like this. Um, you read a scripture in 1 Corinthians where Paul said, he said, um, when I came to you, I didn't come to you in eloquency of speech, but in demonstration of the power of God. And in that same Corinthians, there's another scripture that says, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. If we look at the Oxford Dictionary of what power is, and we, if we try, attempt to describe it, power is physical, it is noisy, it is explosive, and it is demonstrative. If we compare what Paul is teaching and what we saw in that Acts chapter 4, um, we'll find out that we are far away from what that scripture expects us to be today in our society. So what I'm asking is this. How do we as contemporary Christians live up to that standard where on a daily in every different aspects of our life how do we come to that point where we come to listen to God's word and go back home or go back to work or go back to our villages and demonstrate the power we've been hearing that the kingdom of God is about power so how do we come to that point on a daily basis how do we come to that point where you know, we demonstrate the power of God. You know, I, I, I said something recently in my group, in prayer group, that God is not looking for just one Pastor Femi. We should come to a point where if somebody sees me at Aja, they'll say, oh, this is Pastor Femi. Or if someone sees me in Cross River State, where I come from, oh, they say this is another Pastor Femi. So if we have one Pastor Femi, I don't think... Uh, the vision we have set for ourselves in church, we'll be able to achieve that goal. So how do we get to that point where we begin to demonstrate? I don't know if we get, let's, 
you know, it's, it's a burden for me because the grammar is too much and I'm fed up of the grammar. How do we come to start seeing what we say we believe? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So um, that is a very good question and it's a question that I wrestle with as well. So, but this is how I try to answer the question. So, no, don't go, don't go, don't wait, please, for me. So, are you born again? Answer. Yes. <laughs> Why are you sneaking your chair? Don't worry. No wrong answers. Are you born again? Yes. Have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Is it just in praying in tongues? Sorry, I didn't get that. Is it just by speaking in tongues or you believe you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Well, I, I have that sign. Okay. Have you ever tried to lay your hand on anyone? Well, um, I have. Okay. I have. I'm not going to ask for the outcome. I just asked the question. Okay. Have you ever tried? I have. What is, do you try to apply the word of God? For example, I asked, when I asked if you took the limitless declarations back home and you did it, did you put up your hand? No. Okay. But do you have that? That's, were you here on Sunday? Yes. And you have that, Sunday. right? Good. So that is how I answer myself. Many times we hear a lot, but we apply a lot less. We are waiting for a, maybe a lightning moment or something great to happen before we set out to do what we have been told to do. A scripture comes to mind. When um, Saul, turned Paul, was converted, right? says he lay down, was blind for three days, and after three days he fasted. Did you not fast more than three days this season? You probably coasted. That's Paul's story, right? Then immediately Paul ate. What happened? He got up and went to begin to apply. The challenge is that many of us don't apply. So have I prayed for people and have not seen results? Sometimes. Have I prayed for people that have seen results? Sometimes. So the question which I will pass to Papi is now, what makes me pray sometimes and see results and other times pray and not see results? But there are times that when I step out in faith, I see results. There are times I step out in faith, I don't see results. So I go back and ask, why didn't I see results? Papi, over to you, sir. Okay, so I think you're in a good place, which is it always starts with a burden. It, I mean, anything that God is going to do in you and through you always starts with a burden. They, I can, as we were speaking, I was thinking of nights and nights that I'll be unable to sleep because I want to see the power of God. I've shared nights and nights where we wake up at midnight and I'll be praying and I will, you know, sleep. You're tired, you have worked the following day, you, were, you worked all, all day, you know, and all that. But I will be feeling sleepy. I will, I will get out and kneel on the gravel. My, my, my knees are still, you know, not very cute, <laughs> you know, and pray and pray. So, um, and, but like he said, you know, then what? I still need to step out in faith and apply and believe I have received and apply. The first person I prayed for that was dying died. Guy died. I prayed my heart out. But maybe the way I'm wired, I don't give up. 
I won't attempt to count the number of people that were dead, that have prayed, that have come back to life. I won't attempt to. However, if I had stopped, you know, I told you guys, when that happened, you know, I, <laughs> when I got there, I drove out everybody from the room like Jesus did. So you should leave the room. I closed the door like Jesus did. I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. The more I prayed, the more he died. <laughs> I was not afraid to open the door. Tell them that he was dead. <laughs> I, I left the place, say to God, you, you set me up. I'm not going to do this again. I actually did say that. But if I stopped there, I would have a pseudo gospel. And which is what a lot of people have. Oh, Jesus is alive and all that. Maybe the power is for the apostles of old. Because we excuse our failures. But I kept at it. Because it's my job to pray. It's his job to answer. Hallelujah. When we realize that it is not our jobs to answer. It is enough that we have obeyed God. By praying. I have pastor friends that will preach a powerful message and will not make an altar call because they are afraid, what if I do and nobody gives their lives? It will be a bash on their ego. Every time I preach, I give an altar call. Why? It's not about me. If nobody comes out, it's, it's, I don't have any reputation to protect. And someone, I've had pastor friends ask me, what if only one person came out? I said, even if one person came out, the blood that was shed for that one soul is enough. Yeah. There's joy in heaven, even if it's one person. So we have to get, at, get to a place where we die to ourselves. And we are not moved by the results. Whether there are 128 people we preached here. People are giving their lives in Cape Town, in Canada. The person that gave their life, his life in Canada was a, a Caucasian. It doesn't matter whether it's a 1 or 121. So when we just don't worry about the results, just be sure we are in obedience. The results will come. I don't know if that has helped a little bit. <laughs> now, to your question. <laughs> okay, so, to, to your question. So, okay, my question yeah, yes, which, yeah. is, which is what? So I said, why do we sometimes see that result? So other times we don't see the result, even though the hunger was there. Because God is God and we are not. That's all. God is God and we are not. We, we pray. You see, sometimes the, the answer you think God did not answer that hasn't come is because it hasn't come the way you think it will come. So God is God and we are not. If you accept that, the result will not discourage you whether it's, it comes or not. 
we just keep preaching the gospel. We, I mean, I've been in, in places where I told you my first encounter with the supernatural, well, raw supernatural. I've been seeing stuff, but the close encounter was with Pastor Sam Sam. You guys know Pastor Sam's. We went to preach in the north. It's, it's a, it's a um, you know, they have their compounds. Ot and Ot and Ot, and there's a central compound. And we were there. And he was preaching, and nobody was listening. And I was this boy, I was carrying his Bible. And he said, Any blind, any lame, any cripple? I said, Ah. <laughs> Let's talk about Jesus, I'll be going, do. Because they did not, they know how to pelt people with stones. So, as a Lagos boy, I've told you the story. I've scanned the area. I've seen my route of escape. <laughs> and nobody's going to. And they brought a boy, a five-year-old boy that had never walked. I can never forget. Pastor Sam's, in the name of Jesus. I said, Amen. The boy walked. Hallelujah. Everybody gathered. They were now listening to the gospel. They brought the boy to church on Sunday. But if he didn't put himself out there, we won't see that miracle happen. Right? And so, men, like he said, we just need to apply what we have been taught. God is waiting for us. Simple question, the, the confessions. Make them. People are not doing that, and they are wondering why stuff is not happening. Just do what you are taught and leave the rest to God. Amen. Thank you so much, Pa. That's, that's profound. Let's give a clap of it unto the Lord. In fact, that answers a question that... Um, I was, I mean, relate borderline what I mean. So it answers the question anyway. Verse 17, it says that they could see that, I mean, I mean when it says they could see, that means an evidence, right? Yes. They, they could see. So sometimes I think, I mean, this is just because of what you've just said. So it's, it's brought out the, the, the answer in my head. Sometimes we're looking to see a different kind of evidence. So, for example, for you and I that have that hunger, because I'm just like you, of seeing the supernatural every time. There are times, too, you know, Pa, that I'm going to pray with people that are dying and they died. You know, and, of course, I've had that moment of I'm, I need to backslide now and I've come to you and you've given me perspective. So, this is not the first time I've heard this perspective, but it blesses me every time I hear it. And, but what I see is that my, my stance in that moment gives the people around some confidence, even though we did not see the desired result at the time. So our lives actually should be about fruits, not about ego, like Papi has said. You make a call, no one answered, and you're feeling better. No, someone, even the friend that, I want to assume part that your friend that's saying that, is probably saying, you know what, I'm going to leave this place and be making a call. And when he goes back and make a call in his own community, guess what? Five people answer. It's because they saw something in you. And I just think I need to amplify that. That's very profound. Our lives are about fruits. And fruits are evident. So sometimes you might be praying for something else. I'll give you an example. I was praying in the spirit, just not knowing. But 
at night, the thing that the enemy comes to try to rob, they could not rob it anymore to the glory of his name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Okay. Question? Okay. Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay. okay. So I think um, he asked um, most of the questions I wanted to ask for. I'll just go ahead with this one. Okay. So sometimes I just feel like, um, why is it that when I have this instruction to pray in the spirit in the morning, I'll wake up, I'll pray and pray and pray and pray. And that day is like the day I will experience the worst was trouble and sometimes i'm like i've been praying lord i've been praying and say don't tell me especially with my husband so he will come and i'll be like babe you know i've been praying since i've been praying i've been praying and then i'll just blow up like i don't know why does it happen and the days i don't really pray i'm like cool and when something happened i just take it calmly but the days i pray like pray like pray and those are the days that i don't know <laughs> Amen. So again, I will, I will answer with uh, personal experience. So, and this may be invulnerable. With my, with my wife, I realized that the greatest, the times we fight the most is during um, focus seasons like the GWDI. GWDI. Oh, goodness. <laughs> uh, uh, so I'm not, I'm in good company. <laughs> ah, my goodness. I've been wondering what's going on here. Then the times when we're just lounging, no fight. So my, my, ana my analysis of both seasons is the fact that the devil doesn't really fight things that he already has control over. He doesn't. Uh, Tyler is resting. Yeah. <laughs> DJ is, is vibing. Yeah. But the moment you light your candle, he needs to come and blow it out. He needs to come and blow it out. And that's where fights start. That's one. Secondly, could it be that you are more focused? You know, Papi has taught, this, taught us this, I think, in the Orchid Hotel. When we plant seeds, we don't leave it there. We go back and see, is it germinating? So we undig, unearth the seed to see if it's still alive, then put it back. That prolongs the journey, if not even kill the life cycle of the seed. When you plant seed, when you're praying in the spirit, you're actually planting a seed. You leave it there. Don't do it by your power. Don't say, because I was praying, this man should leave me alone. As a matter of fact, when you are praying, back of your head, like I do now, make an allowance for their fault. Oh, they are coming. I know they are coming now. As soon as it comes, some fight is about to start. So, I make an allowance for that fault. So that I don't go back and unearth the seed to see if it's alive, unearth the seed and see if it's alive. So, that has been my personal experience. So, to the glory of God, throughout this GWDI, not one fight between me and my wife. <laughs> And I believe she's watching right now because you know what? I told her on Sunday, I went to give her a hug. Congratulations because we didn't fight. <laughs> and I'm waiting for the devil, you know, because uh, we're learning new tactics every day. And really, the tactics is about application. For those of us who are like me, cry out to God and ask for mercy. The things we have received, if you are 10 years old, 11 years old in God's holy house, should actually have transformed your life from the way beyond what you are in right now. I'm guilty of that. And I've decided in the name of Jesus, no old bars, everything I will receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so, I mean, that's been answered. Probably if I'm to add to that would just be to 
um, to stay there in that place of prayer. You know, so I not get discouraged because you will blow it away. And when you blow it away, you get to a place that you can call the overflow. So your job is not to pitch your tent in that overflow so that you don't relapse, then you start praying again, then you get all the, all the distractions and attacks, then you say, oh, how's it that when I'm praying? No, 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 no. That shouldn't be the cycle. When you break through there, you pitch your tent in the overflow, you are, you are pushing forward, you are not going backwards. So, yeah. Hallelujah. Okay, any other question? I'll take my last question. Okay, so, um, like I said, this was a collaborative study between I and someone else. Papi knows the person I'm not going to say. So, um, when we're talking, my mind went to when we talked about this. So, I'm going to read 17 and 18. It says, but to keep them from spreading the propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name. So, they called the apostles back in and commanded them never to speak or teach in the name of Jesus now, when you read this scripture, it's, um, it's wrong over right. Because these guys had their own propaganda. That's the, the Sadducees. They were teaching a doctrine that was erroneous to the limits. Supernatural was what people were experiencing. And they were saying nobody should talk about the supernatural here. Okay? So, when I thought about it, I think about how... Some cases, even church, church bodies, meaning, well-meaning church bodies, teach certain doctrines that are erroneous and then teach it to the extreme. So I'll give you an example, Pa. As a minister and a pastor in God's will house, we don't drink alcohol. That's what you ascribe to with your consecration. But I have friends that do drink alcohol. I've never gone to any of them and say, you know what, you, you're a pastor, minister, and making don't drink alcohol. So my, my question goes is, how do, does the church in this case, because I want to, this is a religious leader that could be leading people, how can the church really tackle this thing of teaching certain um, doctrines erroneously? Some of them teach grace erroneously, teach uh, prosperity to the limits, teach, you could, you could have come out and say, nobody in God's with the house should drink alcohol. After all, the leaders don't drink alcohol. But what can the church do about that? And there's a lot. Even new, new people now tend to, you see, churches almost tending to like new age um, teachings. Not long, no longer the, led by the supernatural. Some of them almost like motivational talk. So what can we do as the body to really um, curb this teaching doctrines and erroneously, sir? Well, it's just to stay away from um, taking things that are personal and making doctrines out of them. So, some things are just personal, you know. God requires you, like you said, God's favorite house. Me, I don't take alcohol because God requires me not to take it. And I require that of all my leaders not to take it. But I know taking a call is not a sin. So it isn't. So I will not now, but it is not the best <laughs> either. So I will not now, because it's, it's 
the personal consecration thing, make it a doctrine for the whole church. I think that's where we go wrong as, as, as a capital letter C church now. You know, there are things that God has said to you, 5 a.m. prayer. It's you. Then you, 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 you make people feel like they are sinners if they don't pray at 5 a.m. You know, it's, it's things like that. You know, so we, we should just not... I know people that God requires them to cover their air, their head when they come to church. There's a lady. Yes, yes, yes. God actually requires her that you, you recover your head. You are too stubborn. You cover your head when you come to church. But guess what? People will take that and make it a doctrine. You know? <laughs> if you, everybody must cover their head. No. So, things like that. We should, we should just stay away from, from trying to be God in people's lives. That, that's all. Thank you so much, Pa. Mm-hmm. Any questions online? Any questions online? So, Pa, um, going to do this with God. Yeah, what's that? If you're going to ask me any questions sir, from this teaching. Well, if I'm going to ask you any yes, questions. Any, knowing that if I don't answer it, you answer it, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, want, I, want to, I want to test my my get <laughs> mm. Okay, so a, a couple of questions, but I'll ask one. So you talked about soteria as the word for salvation. You didn't contrast it with sozo. And in which part of that scripture was is sozo um, emphasized? Okay. So, this is some assault. <laughs> so, um, sozo was emphasized I mean, Soteria and Sozo, if you could please help us put up um, 13, 12, pardon me, they were mentioned in the same... 14. 14, okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, salvation and saved were mentioned in the same um, breath, so to speak, right? But if if you read it, one is saying that, you know what, that part where I said, whatever it is to you, if you are looking for that thing, so the which Papi has taught us, which is, I mean, depth. Living a life of fullness here and getting to heaven with that life of fullness. Can I, can I, can I paraphrase that, that, sir? Good. So living a life of he- fullness here in heaven, on earth, and of course get to heaven with that life of fullness, right? What part of the scripture was it emphasized? It says to us that, but since... Let me read that again. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven. So I think that is where it was emphasized. No other name under heaven by which you and I can live the life of fullness here on earth and then get to heaven unscathed. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's clap for Pastor Richard. <laughs> and that's the end of my story. Thank you so much for. <laughs> no. Okay, let's put our hands together for the Lord. Um, Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. 
do not lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so it is and shall be. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Okay, so God's favorite house, who are we? Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.